The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with your host, Ty Maynard. We're the starting point for sales professionals and business owners who want to gain more clients, score higher margins, and not be left behind in sales and business. Now, here's Ty Maynard. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, and I am happy to be with you today. And as you know, our goal every show is to assist you in your quest to be the best in sales, business, and life. And we have an interesting show today because uh, I've had several requests from managers and executives and small business owners who have a sales force. And they say, Ty, well, you know, you have a lot of good programs on selling and sales and marketing. Well, you know, could you talk at some point about managing and coaching your sales team to be successful? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about successful keys to coaching and managing a sales team. And that's what we're going to be talking about to help you grow your sales team so they can be all they can be. All right. So a couple of uh, things I'd like to share first and foremost. One is called the four great truths because a lot of times people will will contact me and they want me to <clears throat> take their salesperson, the sales professionals, and we want they want me to make them this super person, this superhuman being. Um, and I, I want to share with you something called the four great truths. All right. First truth is this people don't change that much unless they truly want to change. We can't force anybody. We can't make anybody change if it's not their desire, if it's not in them. So people don't change that much. A lot of times I'll get someone, uh, they'll say, well, he is a, uh, or she is an account development person, which means they're to farm in an account that you're already doing business with. And now they're saying, we want them to be a new business development person. We want them to go out there and kill and bring in the food. We want them to go find business. If that's not their nature, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do it. They aren't going to be happy. You aren't going to get the results that you're looking for out of that individual, which takes us to the second great truth. Don't waste time trying to put into someone what was left out. If that's not their nature, it's not going to work out. Just like it's not really going to work out if we try to or you try to make someone who is new de- a new business development person, a hunter, a farmer, someone who is comfortable just doing account development, a new business development person, their sole focus in life is to go out 
and find business. That's the rush that they get. That's what they're looking for. That's what they need. So to just assign them to managing an account is like a slow death to them. It's it's not going to work out. A new business development person is not normally one who's extremely organized, detailed. Uh, They're really good with paperwork. They go find the business, they hand it off to someone else to manage it and, and put all of the paperwork together and organize it and operate, and then they go find something else. So first rule, people don't change that much. Second rule, don't waste time trying to put into someone what was left out. If that's not them, it's not them. The, the third great truth, try to draw out what is already in them. Because what, I, what I've seen is I have quite a few people that I'll, I'll do work with that I'll train. And I've seen it happen where they have the ability, but they may be lacking some information. Uh, they may be lacking a, a skill set. And it may already be in them, but they never had anyone develop it. They never had anyone give them the training or development of that thing that they didn't know. And I'll see someone who's not performing well, but once they get that information, once they get that insight, within two months, within three months, within four months, you'll see that person turn a corner and they're doing exceptionally well for that organization, right? So try to draw out of them what's already in them. And the fourth great truth is that's going to be hard enough. So if you didn't write that down, I want to give it to you again. Number one, people don't change that much. Number two, don't waste time trying to put into someone what was left out. Number three, try to draw out of them what's already in them. And number four, that's going to be hard enough. And there are a couple of old school thoughts as as far as managers go that you're going to have to train yourself out of candidly in order to get the work team that you you really desire, that you're really looking for. And one of the the old school things is um, you select a, a salesperson based on experience. Uh, based on a, a intelligence and determination, uh, based on their knowledge base of your industry. That's one of the old school things. Um, and really the new thought is you don't necessarily hire just based on experience, uh, just based on their knowledge of, of the industry. Uh, the new school thought is you hire based on talent. Find someone that's that's used to being successful. I don't care if they were successful in athletics, they were successful in the military, they were successful in uh, school government. Find someone who's used to being successful and you will be amazed what you can accomplish with them. They will figure out a way to accomplish whatever it is. Because, you know, I've, I've trained uh, some seasoned people and a lot of times the seasoned people have had so much experience and knowledge, they aren't receptive to new insights, new ways of doing things, change, which is going to be a part of any organization that's growing and thriving. As a matter of fact, my thought is 
you should be concerned if you're part of an organization that's not changing because anything that's not changing is dying. Anything that's static and not going forward, you're going backwards. So uh, one of the old school thoughts, uh, select the person based on experience. And, and what I found also when you hire somebody based on just experience and their knowledge base, a lot of times you'll find that these people may have the tendency to change companies consistently. You know, every year, every 18 months, maybe even every two years, you'll find that they change companies. And when we look at their resume, we're like, oh, they have all this experience. No, what happens is basically they're able to hang around until the person realizes, well, hey, uh, they're not bringing in the business they said that they would bring, or they, I don't have the backlog that they promised me that they would be able to provide to my organization. Then all of a sudden, uh, it's time for them to move on someplace else. And so be mindful of that. And it said also, uh, old school thought was, you set an expectation and you, you, you look for people who understand and can sell based on a process. And a process is an important thing because all of my programs obviously have some type of sales process to follow to get the end result. Uh, but the new school thought is basically you find someone who can get the outcome you're looking because there are some people who are able to accomplish things and they do it not necessarily following your process. Your process may have worked for you so they are, as a result, you feel as the manager, everyone should follow it. And I've seen that happen, as I've mentioned probably before, in let's say a design firm. Let's say there's a design director. When she does her count for a building and she's counting workstations or whatnot, she counts going across. But the designer under her likes to count going down. And the design director is saying, no, I want you to count going across like I do. Well, if the number is the same, if the outcome is the same, does it really matter <laughs> which way you count, whether it's across or going down? So be mindful as a manager that you are trying to create a mini-me. I have found that in many instances, if I will allow my, my sales representatives or my employees to come to me with their own ideas, guess what? In many instances, their idea may be better than the one I had. In that case, you have to swallow your pride and your ego and go with what works the best. All right? And another old school thought was um, when you motivate you motivate and you try to help them develop in their weak areas. You want to help them develop in their weak areas. Okay, they already have the strong things going. Let's focus on where you're weak. What I have found now, the most successful managers don't focus on the weaknesses. They manage according to the strengths. Focus on the strengths. I'm not saying ignore weaknesses, but focus on what they're already good at. And what you'll find is you will get someone inspired and motivated. And they can, all, they can go out and make things happen. They can accomplish goals that you've set for them very quickly, very quickly. And the old school thought, another old school thought was you develop the person 
and you help them learn for the purpose of getting promoted. And today, when developing, you give them what they need to be successful. And the fact of the matter is today, not everyone wants to be promoted. Uh, I mean, that sounds that may sound crazy, crazy to some people, but that's a fact of life. Some people just want a good quality of life. They don't want the added responsibility of being in management. They don't want the added responsibility of having other people that they have to be responsible for. They want to do their job well, make good money and have an exceptional work life balance. So when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about how to successfully coach and manage an awesome sales team. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, and we will talk to you on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and we're talking about keys to successfully coaching and managing your sales team. So we were just talking about some of the old school thoughts regarding managing and, and, and a sales team and how to identify good talent, okay? And now we just want to talk about one of the things that you, you look for. The, the bottom line is in order to be successful, to, especially today, change is one of the constants. And that was a, a quote by Bruce Barton. And he said, when you're through changing, you're through. 
And Winston Churchill said, there is nothing wrong with change if it is in the right direction. So to improve is to change. So to be perfect is to change often. And then we had the former president, Woodrow Wilson. He said, if you want to make enemies, just go ahead and try to change something. So we are looking for today for, for people who are, who are willing to embrace change. Who are who were willing to uh, accept it and, and see the value and the benefit in change. So I want to talk to you about basically a couple of types of responses that you may get from uh, individuals in your in your organization when it comes to change. One of the first ones you may get is what I call the victim mode. These are the four responses to change, and and the behavior of the victim basically. They resist change and they feel angry or depressed anytime you talk about something new. And I work for one, you know, Fortune 500 organization. Let me tell you, change was the one thing that was constant. They changed our pay plan every year. I mean, and they say that was for our benefit, so I had to assume positive intent. But, you know, they, they feel angry or depressed and they don't look for any any positive in it. They, they want to revert back to the old ways and they're always willing to isolate themselves and they don't want to ask for help regarding whatever is new. And the attitude they have is, why is this happening to me? Why is this being done to me? That's the victim. Why can't things change? This, why can't things just stay the same? And if you are listening and you're in sales, you have to identify which one of these individuals you are. Okay, so that's the victim. And then we have the critic. The critic's behaviors normally are they are resistant to change as well. And they are always looking for reasons why it won't work. As a matter of fact, they invest a lot of energy into why things won't work. Uh, And they fail to see any positive outcomes from the change that the company is implementing. And they basically question and challenge whether change is necessary. And these are the types of things you'll normally hear from a critic. You know, this hasn't worked in the past. I really don't think it's going to work now. And I doubt this change will improve anything. And the goal of a critic is to try to infect as many people as they possibly can. All right. So you have to be mindful of the critics in your organization. And believe it or not, some turnover in an organization is healthy. I was working for one company and the owner was really proud. And he said, you know, I'm happy to say that we have not had any turnover in 15 years in our sales force. And I looked at him and I said, wow, I said 15 years. high." And he was really proud of that. And I said, I am sorry to hear that. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, if you haven't had any turnover in your sales force in 15 years, what that tells me is you've set the bar too low. You aren't challenging them. It's too comfortable here. And and what I've noticed is in reality, the bottom percentage the bottom 20%, I would say 10 to 20%, and really I'll say 20 The bottom 20% of a sales force should be turning over annually. If they're not performing as managers, as business owners, 
we shouldn't allow them to hang around. Just hang around till they decide to leave. Okay? So uh, that's not a good thing if you can say to me, we haven't lost anyone and no one's left in 15 years. Uh, that's, pro- that's, an, that's an issue with your organization. All right, so we talked about the victim mode. We talked about the critic mode. Let's talk about the bystander. The bystander probably has the largest percentage, all right? Uh, Their behavior basically is they are acting reluctant to get involved, and they're going to wait and see the reaction of others. And they're going to wait for others to make a decision and take the lead, all right? The attitude basically is, you know what, if I, know, if I ignore this change, it'll go away. Or I won't jump in just yet until I know it's safe. Or they may be thinking, you know, I'll wait until more experienced people have paved the way. So we have the victim, the critic, and the bystander. The ones that we really are looking for is what I would call the navigator. The navigator, and there are so few of these in organizations that when you have one, we have a tendency to ignore them because they just jump on board, so we feel they don't need much attention. And really, these are the individuals that we should invest our time and energy and and money into, people who are going to help us grow our company. These are the racehorses. So the behavior of a navigator normally is... They're looking for ways to help minimize the negative reactions. They're exploring the causes and reasons for the change, and they want to form nurturing relationships with others affected by the change and try to show them the benefit to considering the change. And their attitude normally is, this change presents opportunities to do things differently. It makes, it's a chance to make things better. I may make mistakes, but I'm going to learn from them. And that's the other thing. Uh, I, I would recommend those of you who are listening, who are managers, who you, you, you're a supervisor of sales professionals, uh, you own the business, or you're a VP of sales. You, the, the, the company that helped me the most was the one that allowed me to be adventurous. They, as a matter of fact, that what they told me was if I wasn't making mistakes here and there, I wasn't doing enough. They were looking for risk takers. And risk takers are also the sales professionals that will bring you the biggest returns. They will walk in that door that no one else walked in. They'll call on that top-level executive that no one else had the courage to talk to. And as a result, they're the ones that will bring you that sales opportunity that will be the mother load. Now, the problem is because navigators don't need much coaching and much uh, encouragement, we have a tendency to ignore them. And that's the wrong thing to do. As a matter of fact, we, we, we have a tendency, if we aren't careful, to spend more time paying attention to the victims and the critics. So there's something called the – and I, and I want to – let's identify this. So – we basically have 30% that are going to be the resistors, okay? The resistors are going to be the victims and the critics. And then we have 50% of your sales force that will normally be bystanders. And then only 20% will be the navigators, okay? 30% are people who are going to resist what you're trying to do. 
50% are those individuals just, just in a wait-and-see mode, and 20% are going to be the ones that get on board. So my question is to you, do you focus on the 80%, the bystanders and the resistors, or do you focus on the 70%, the navigators and the bystanders? And the best choice is to focus on the navigators and the bystanders. The goal, what we want to do is we want to get as many of those bystanders to get on board, to get them off the fence. And then the navigators, we, they're already doing well. We want to focus on them because my thing is this. You're better off getting your racehorse, a navigator, to run 3%, 5%, 6% faster than trying to get a mule to run 50% faster. You're better off focusing on your racehorse than trying to get your mule to become a racehorse. It's just not going to work. All right? It's not going to work. So tr- focus on getting the individuals who are bystanders to get on board and the navigators who are going to help you grow your company. And the rationale is this. You invest more time to woo the bystanders because your odds are better of winning them over than a resistor. All right? And then you also want to devote attention to navigators who are helping to drive the change. Those are the individuals we normally take for, for granted. I see this also with sales representatives who have large territories. Let's say you are a, a manufacturer's representative. You have a large territory, and you have a, a, a huge distribution network. I see so many of you focus on the ones who aren't helping you hit your numbers. They're causing you a lot of headaches. They complain all the time. They aren't promoting you whatsoever. I see you spend more time trying to get them on board than the people who are helping you hit your numbers, the ones who are helping you hit your quota, helping you win the trip. Invest more time in the people that's taking you where you want to go than the ones that aren't. And because in many cases, they may never, they may never come on. Resistors normally absorb most time and energy. And the excessive attention that we give a resistor, basically you're reinforcing their behavior. And, you know, we want to get buy-in from everybody, if, if at all possible, but it's not necessary. And in many cases, resistors may only come on board after all of the results are in. When they see other people that are starting to benefit from the change or the, the new direction that your organization is going then and only then might be the time that you get them on board to to participate and, and start actually engaging in the new mindset, the new products, the new promotions. That's going to help everybody be successful. So it's time for us to take our next break. This is the fastest hour of the week, as I say. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Stay tuned.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When money and tech come together, it can make for a harmonious or detrimental relationship. On Media and Your Money, host Jason Steele will show you how streaming media can work for you to help you accomplish your financial goals, both short-term and long-term. Do you have a plan for investment opportunities? How is college planning going for your kids? Is your retirement strategy working for you? Listen for Media and Your Money, Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Time Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and our topic today is keys to successfully coaching and managing your sales team. We've talked about how to find the right talent. We're talking about what to do with the talent that you have. And let's let's continue on because our goal as a manager, our success is based on how we get our sales team to perform. And the first thing we have to do if the team is not performing is not look at the team. Any successful leader looks at themselves first. And I can tell you the questions that the average sales professional is asking themselves. Okay. And based on the answers they give themselves will determine how well you're doing, and if you will actually be able to keep that person, keep that person on your payroll because turnover is costly. It's costly to to invest the time to find the right talent, to train the talent, uh, payroll, to only turn around and lose them to find someone else. So we want to give them what they need so they can grow with our organization and we can keep them. But some of the questions when I've spoken to sales professionals that they're asking is basically, do I understand what's expected of me? Do I understand what's expected of me? Do I have what I need to do my work properly? You know, I I remember one time when I started working for a company and this was in the early 90s, it was really in 1990, and they promised 
that we were going to have when I was interviewing. They said, oh, yes, we're going to provide notebook computers to you uh, to help you get your work accomplished and to be in the field. And I was there for two years and no notebooks, no notebook computers. I knew the value that it would bring for me. It would help me stay organized. It would help me do a better job of managing my, my database of clients. But because they did not fulfill their promise, my success was reliant on me ultimately. So I ended up going out and buying my own computer. But then I, I had a kind of sour taste because that was a commitment that company made that they did not actually keep. So the question they're asking is, do I have what I need to do my work properly? Another question is, do I have the opportunity to do what I do best daily? If you have someone who is a hunter in new business development, don't, don't have them doing paperwork every day, managing the account. Find somebody, I mean, give them the people, the support team around them to take that off of them so they can go and do what they do. Because when people can't do what they do well daily, that's when they get, get frustrated. Uh, they, get, they get disheartened. They get discouraged. Another question is, have I received recognition or praise in the last seven days? And, you know, that was an old technique, which I think is still effective as a, as a successful manager. It's called management by wandering around. And you want to really actually catch people doing things right. A lot of times as managers, we have a tendency to focus on the dot. We have a tendency to only focus on what their, their shortcoming is, what their weakness is. So if your, your sales team, if they only hear negative from you, it, it kind of wears on them after a while. It's, it's kind of uh, grating. It's kind of like the, the fingernails on a chalkboard. But if they also hear positive reinforcement from you, that makes it easier to hear the tough things or, or where they need to improve. And there's something called balanced feedback. You know, if we have time, I'll, I'll get into that. And the other question is, does my supervisor seem to care about me as a person? Do you, do you appear to be genuinely interested in them as a person or are they just a means to an end? We all have that and we all know about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and self-actualization. We, we want to know that we uh, are we're cared about. And then, last question, is there someone at work who encourages my development? One of the things that's critical to many people in an organization, do they have, a continue, do they have the ability to continue to develop their expertise by the organization? Now, personally, I believe uh, as an individual, that responsibility lies on our shoulder. I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, if it is to be, ultimately, it's up to me. But it sure is nice to know that the company that I work for, the organization that I'm, I'm uh, working for, also is genuine, genuinely interested and willing to invest in my development. So the questions were, do I know what's expected of me? 
Do I have what I need to do my work properly? Do I have the opportunity to do what I do best daily? And those of you who are salespeople, you need to be asking yourself this because some of you have the ability to work on your own. Or These are some questions you may have to bring up to your manager. Hey, I'm not really clear on what's expected of me or how I'm being uh, evaluated. Uh, The next question is, have I received recognition or praise in the last seven days? And does my supervisor seem to care about me as a person? And is there someone at work who encourages my development? Now, one of the things that you're also going to have to do if you want to successfully manage and coach your sales team, there has to be annual, or not annual, regular meetings, performance meetings, performance planning meetings. Um, And let them know what you expect in each meeting in advance so it's not a surprise to them. And I have a saying, inspect what you expect so your sales team will respect it and not neglect it. That's right. You heard it right. Inspect what you expect so they will respect it and not neglect it. So have your salesperson to write down answers to the questions before the meeting. What actions have they taken recently? What discoveries have you made? What partnerships have you built? Those are the three questions I want answers to as a manager. What actions have you taken recently that will further you towards your goal or our goal? What discoveries have you made? What have you learned? And then what partnerships have you built to further our cause? Take notes and use that as a springboard towards your performance conversation. And after discussing those questions, so more questions you want to ask, basically, uh, now direct the conversation towards the future. So what is your main focus for the next three months, the next two months, the next month? You, you determine what are you working towards now? What's your main focus? What new discoveries are you planning? What new pa- partnerships are you hoping to build in the next three months? Inspect what you expect so they will respect it and not neglect it. And people for just plain perform better when they know what's expected of them. So let's talk about some of the major activities that they should, they, they should know you expect of them every day or throughout the week. Uh, under selling, the expectation is for them to be doing some type of prospecting, some type of way to find new business opportunities. Uh, whether they're doing networking, whether they're cold calling, and, and you know, there's a debate today, as it's been going on for a long time, really, is cold calling effective? Some people, for some people, it's extremely effective. For others, it's not because they aren't comfortable doing it or they don't understand how to do it. Are they going, are they trying to find referrals? Are they, uh, have they developed a leads group? But some kind of way they need to be prospecting. And they need to be communicating on a regular basis with uh, those prospects as well as the current customer base. Because, believe it or not, there is a, a lot of money that's being left on the table 
because we aren't growing our business with our current customers. The sales cycle, the cost of sale is, is far less with someone you're already doing business with than going out and trying to find a brand new person. And it's the same with referrals. If, if you've already done a great job for someone, it's just so much easier to find your next piece of business if the person that you've already delighted uh, tells someone that they know and someone that trusts them about you and what you've done for them. Okay? So they have to satisfy the customer. There has to be a part of the day that's set aside for problem solving, solving the problems of the customers. They have to show integrity. They have to do what they say. And this is another interesting thing because I've, I've, I've had that happen where we are fearful if we have a problem with a customer. We are fearful of going to that customer and telling that customer the truth. Uh, their delivery is not going to be on time. Uh, and my thing is this, if and we have to tell our, our, and train our sales professionals that, listen, engage that customer quickly. Don't wait for two days to go by or a week to go by when you know there's a problem. Call them as quickly as possible regarding that problem, but also find, have, a, have a possible solution ready for them as well so we don't go with just the bad news. So under selling, they have to do all of those things. And, and then they also have to be organized. There, there is paperwork. There's just no way around it. There's paperwork that has to be done. They have to manage their time efficiently and effectively. They have to manage their territory efficiently and effectively. And they have to manage themselves well. And I talked about this several weeks ago. I gave an example of a story called Boston Johnson. Uh, and I, I highly recommend you go back and check out some of the prior shows if this is your first time listening. Uh, we have great material, great material. And also, they have to be able to work with others. One of the things I have seen with a sales professional is they don't communicate well with their team. In other words, they have other people they rely on to get their work done, and they just run to them, I need you to do this, need you to do this, need to do this, then they just run up with their hands flailing. We have to make sure the people can deliver to us what we need in order to deliver uh, exceptional performance to our customers. So you, you talk to that person. If it's a designer, hey, I just want to make sure we're clear. This is what I need the layout to look like. I need this here, that there. Okay, just to make sure we're on the same page, what's your understanding of what I said? And let them repeat it back to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, no, my apologies. What I really meant was this right here. Okay, right, right. That's it. Very good. If we would do that one thing, if we would just slow down a minute and communicate better, we will save ourselves a lot of rework, revisions, and upset customers. Okay, this time is going by so fast. It's amazing. All right, time for our final break. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, on the Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick and mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24 7. It's in the home, it's on the go. 
It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Time Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, and the topic today is keys to successfully coaching and managing your sales team or your downline, whoever it is that's looking to you for guidance to help them be successful, all right? And there are going to be times when confronting them based on a lack of performance or poor performance is necessary, and no one really likes confronting. It's, it's uncomfortable. And if we left to our own devices, we have a tendency to avoid confronting for several reasons. One, we were brought up to avoid it. We didn't see it ha- handled well, maybe in our homes or in our family life. So uh, we saw people just not speak. Then after a few days, they just started speaking again. And we're like, oh, okay, so that's how you handle it. You just don't address it. Or we saw people handle it very aggressively, and it was ugly. So we just decided to stay away from it. And all we have all had this need to be liked and accepted, and we, we, we take responsibility for other people's feelings. Or we're afraid that if we confront the other person, there are going to be negative consequences. And what I can assure you is if you don't confront, there are going to be negative consequences because you're not going to get the performance from the individuals or from your team that you need in order to hit your your company's objectives and goals. So confronting is necessary, all right? It's necessary. So there are things that we can do, though, that can make uh, communication go wrong, and they're just plain bad communication techniques that we need to be mindful of. One is... The silence treatment. I've seen managers do that where they just don't speak to a rep. And, I mean, that's really immature. (laughs) It's immature. You're grown people. You need to talk. There has to be communication. Where there's no communication, there's division. And with division, there's not going to be success. 
or there's sarcasm. And a lot of managers use sarcasm, and that's not an effective form of communication. And, and, and you're laughing at the expense of someone else. And people will normally laugh with you, but in reality, they are really wounded, okay? Or you tell them uh, demands, well, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. And they're listening to you, but I can promise you that individual is saying to themselves, okay, watch me not do this. (laughs) Watch me not do it or not do it the way you say that you want me to do it. Or we attack them personally. You know, you you just suck in that area. You're just not good. You just that does not work. We when at all possible, we want to find opportunities to build people up. And like I said earlier, we do not ignore weaknesses. At the same time, that should not be the primary focus when we're trying to develop people. Or threats. Well, I tell you what, let this happen one more time, and then I'm going to do this and I'll do that. You know, and, and, and you threaten someone enough times, what they're finally going to say is do it. Just go ahead and do it. So those are not effective ways to communicate. And we need to talk very quickly about what can make communication go wrong. I have seen it also happen where we communicate through other individuals. You know, we'll tell a coworker about what their uh, coworker did instead of going directly to that person, which is, is kind of unprofessional. Or we don't give that person our undivided attention when we're trying to coach them. What we want to do is, is really use a technique called balanced feedback when we're trying to work with someone. Balanced feedback is extremely effective. And and let's talk about when communication is effective. Communication is effective when we're looking to accomplish a positive behavioral change in that individual. That's the focus. Not giving them a piece of our mind, but we want a positive behavioral change. Also, when we're done speaking with that individual, we want their self-esteem to be intact. And lastly, we want our relationship with that individual to be enhanced as a result of the communication that we just had with them. So those are the three goals when we confront someone. We want a positive behavioral change. We want their self-esteem to be intact. And we want our relationship to be enhanced as a result of the communication that we had with them. So in order to affect that, one of the things that we need to do is I normally recommend in balanced feedback, you start off with something the person did well. You know, hey, I really appreciate the way you handled that tough customer. Most people under those circumstances would not have been able to be as calm and collect as you were. And I commend you on that. And then the next thing we have to do is talk about the issue at hand. You know, I guess the thing that we need to talk about also is the fact that in order to try to please them, you eroded our margins tremendously. So let's talk about how we can help our customers feel better about the interaction, but also not impact our profitability the way we did. So that's what we want to do. We want to start with something that we appreciated about that person's performance, and then we go immediately 
to the, the issue that caused the hiccup, that caused the problem. So that's what we want to do. So, and, and so what we're looking to accomplish basically is an objective description of the undesirable behavior, not subjective. You know what? Uh, we need to talk about how you messed up that job. That's subjective. That's your belief system that they did, they did a poor job. The objective, the objective description, description is something did not happen appropriately. The margins were eroded. Okay. Then we also want to listen to what they have to say because there may be information they can share with us that helps us to understand maybe why they did it that we didn't know about. Then we want to confirm the expected results for future. And then we want a commitment or agreement on the future behavior. And at some point, we want to follow up to confirm that the new behavior is being modeled or the outcomes, what we were looking for. And that's a perfect opportunity in your follow-up with that particular person. If they're doing the things that you identified, now you can commend them on it. And great job. You know, I really appreciate your efforts. So I'm going to talk uh, again about uh, other tips to successfully coach and manage your sales team. And speaking of coaching and managing, if you are a salesperson, or even if you are an executive or a business owner and you have a sales team and you're looking for these types of tips on a consistent basis to help you grow your sales team, that's what we do at Time Manor Group. Our goal is to help you successfully manage your team. Give me a call. Give me a call and we can talk about a program designed directly and specifically for you to help you grow your sales team. You can give us a call at 888 888- Six zero five one zero four zero. That's 888-605-1040. Or uh, send me an email at ty, T-Y-E, at ty, T-Y-E, Mainer, M-A-N-E-R, group.com. That's ty at tymainergroup.com. Check out our new website. We have some really neat uh, pages on it. We have a blog on it. We want to keep you updated with little tips and techniques to help you be successful in sales and managing your sales team. Our goal, as I said, is to help you in your quest to be the best. Also, if you're looking to train your sales team, I can't think of anyone better to help you do that. Give us an opportunity to mainerize your sales team, and you'll be amazed at the results that we help you get. So thank you again for listening. Please continue to tell others about the show. Go to our Facebook page and like us. Join us on Twitter. I always have motivational things to talk about and insightful little tips to help you be successful in sales, business, and life. And in the meantime, forget patience. Let's sell something. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. Ty Maynard will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something. Let's sell something.